0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Bitcoin Effect, your business podcast. Today, apart from my good-looking co-host Peter, we have Henrik Skogström. I was looking very much forward to this interview as many people told me amazing things about him. But maybe, Henrik, say some amazing things about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and welcome to the Bitcoin Effect. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me.
1: And uh, yeah, really looking forward to this as well.
2: But, by the way, as uh, Martin made the introduction, uh, let let us know and our listeners as well how to spell your name correctly. Good point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's sort of a Scandinavian thing. Uh, like Skogström is the way I say skugström. it. Skogström. Ah. Yeah. So, I've been saying it wrong the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody does. I mean, it's like Norwegian... <laughs> Five million of us can say it correct, and the rest of the world just have to make their own way. (laughs) Okay, Henrik, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, so starting with what I do, I, I run uh, and started um, Torque, which is uh, building a software for large node management um, or large lightning companies needing to manage large lightning operations. So, um, yeah, my background is from both the business world where I uh, did market, uh, market analytics, uh, brands, and those sort of things. Uh, but most of my career now, I've been a developer. So, I've worked with large systems developing. Um, project from sort of start to finish design until development and completion um, so a lot a lot of large data on project in general yeah that's my background and I sort of all of this eventually ended up where I found myself in the crypto space to begin with in 2017 and uh, yeah started down the path I think a lot of people do with all this kind of strange token projects and coins uh, and uh, <laughs> Uh, after a while, uh, thankfully quite a short while, I ended up uh, looking at Lightning and figured out that everything else just doesn't make sense in, uh, when it comes to payments. So I uh, dove into to Lightning, um, first just Bitcoin in 2018, mid-2018, and then early 2019. i uh, just been doing Lightning from, from then on out. It's been in the space for quite some time, but um, I love it. Yeah, So I assume uh, most of the listeners know what Lightning Network is. But well, you can say that on the Lightning Network, you have participants. We call them often nodes. And these nodes need channels uh, to other parties. So if you're a small, normal person, you might need one or two or three channels and a small amount of capacity or Bitcoin on that, and you have a few transactions going on. But if you are a huge business or a company offering Lightning services to other people, for example, custodially or uh, semi-custodial self-custody solutions, then you need tons of channels, you need millions of dollars in capacity. Um, you need to to look at large amounts of transaction volumes and analyze that. In order to do that, you need to collect all that data. You need to visualize it. You need to automate certain actions. Uh, and essentially, you need to to look at channels and activity and aggregates so in the larger picture and not just sort of individual small things. So what we build is is that platform, that tool set, uh, in order to do that and operate a larger company that has a lightning operation, so either a lightning company or a large large merchant.
0: Yeah, yeah. We had a, the recording with uh, Kilian from Boltz, and he was like, "We have one thousand two hundred channels, and luckily they more or less balance each other out, but we have no way of really managing in them on a on a command line
2: basis, and it's like." yeah okay Uh, one question to clarify that for our listeners who are not that familiar with uh, lightning we had one episode already explaining a little bit about what what that is and you starting now with channels and that it's important to have lots of channels what's what happens to a merchant, for example, who wants to work with lightning technology, not having enough channels? What, what, what's what's the problem with that? Mm.
1: So this is a bit under the way the market and I guess the lightning network works is evolving a bit. This is a sort of dynamic beast because it is a peer-to-peer network, right? But the essence of it, if you're a large merchant, merchant you receive payments all the time. And in Lightning, in order to receive payments, that means that somebody has to have opened a channel to you by putting Bitcoin into a channel that then can be used to pay you incrementally. So if nobody opens a channel to you, then you can't get paid. Uh, so, and And the same can happen if... Somebody opens a channel and then everybody pays over that channel. And then that channel is spent. Like all the Bitcoin is on your side of the channel. So for large merchants, the problem is to have enough of these constantly going on because they have a very one-sided flow. So that all the money is flowing into them. They don't have a lot of money flowing out unless they pay all their distributors or all their their sort of um, product delivery people who sell them their product at the end with Lightning.
2: Does that mean that if you don't have enough channels or capacity, that you can't be paid, even if yes, essentially, yeah. okay.
1: and this is uh, this is something where people often say, look at sort of pointed lightning, say, oh, it never works. Uh, liquidity is not a solved problem, and all this and it's like, not really. It's it's not a problem anymore. There is different aspects of it. It's saying that is a bit like saying oh, the internet will never scale because nobody will find information anymore. And then Google comes along and say like, hey, we actually use sort of this technology to index everything really fast and find everything you need. And and this is sort of a constant development going on. And right now there is a lot of different projects out there solving this in various ways. And there's a lot of services in the category that we call lightning service providers that offer inbound liquidity for these merchants. Um, so, So that's a one of the tools. There's a
0: ton of other tools out there as well to, to make that happen. But I don't need loads of channels just as a merchant, but certain business models do require multiple channels. But as a merchant, I could just have one or one channel, and then basically uh, restore the balance within the channel all the time again and again. Exactly. So there's many ways of doing this. If you're a small merchant, you can just have one tiny
1: channel that somebody opens to you, right? Um, most likely you want a few just for redundancy. But in essence, you can just have one large channel. People send you money. And then what you do is you send money out of that one, for example, to somewhere else. For example, an exchange or some service that accepts Lightning. You can just balance that way. Another thing is if you have multiple channels, let's say two, one is full on your side and the other is empty. And you can send a circular payment to yourself in order to balance those out. So, yeah, multiple ways. And we call that rebalancing,
2: essentially. So, to resume that that story until here in 2017 whatever you've done before i don't know uh you you get first time in touch with the crypto start playing around with it discovered a year or two later that probably bitcoin or lightning is going to be the only thing that makes sense and then january 21 you woke up one morning and said hey i've got it i gonna found a company named torque to what happened that day why why was it how how came it to that point or was not yeah. a different um, story
1: <laughs> yeah as, as everything is an evolution right uh i essentially i i was part of building up a company called arcane uh, or arcane crypto um, now it's better known as uh, arcario and k33 um, which is a research part of it and he, essentially after after leaving that company, uh, while I was there, I spent a lot of time on Lightning and worked uh, primarily on Lightning. And at the time, the the Lightning Network uh, got more attention from from individuals wanting to run routing nodes uh, and operate their own nodes. And also the space in general, more companies were, were joining the space with more and more advanced uh, stuff that they've built uh, during the first few years. Uh, the Lightning Network was active. So I saw at that point that Looking into this and started to run my node a bit from sort of a personal perspective and putting a bit of effort into it to, to make it uh, run efficiently, I saw that there were no professional tools out there. Everything that existed were open source projects targeting quite small nodes. So the moment you pass like 100 channels and a certain amount of activity, stuff started to break down, started to become really slow. So this is where I looked at the market and said like, there there really needs to be a professional solution for companies to adopt and use uh, without spending an absolute ton of time building their own in-house stuff, so that was the the start and the basis of uh, of Torque, which at the time actually was named Ellen Capital.
0: So we just rebranded it a few months ago. Mm. But but how but how did you know that this is the right thing? Because I mean, it could have been just something that you experienced that was like, ah, eh, this is a bad thing. But but how did you come up with the idea that this is something where a business will thrive from, that this is a valid business idea to start upon. Mm. So essentially,
1: this is something that you can say it, there needs to be software in some form. Like node management is unavoidable. So if you have a node, you have to somehow know what's going on, what the channel state is like. Uh, you need to be able to open and close channels. And you can use the terminal command line to do that up to a certain point. But you hit a lot of problems. So one is that, who do you give access to do that, right? That sort of access control management and all that. The second is, how do you do that safely and repeatably? Should you always go into directly to the server? There's a lot of stuff there where essentially you end up with the need for some sort of UI, some sort of tooling around it to be able to manage this efficiently. And as you said, with bolts, they hit the point where they couldn't see what's going on because they, they requested data from the terminal and everything just, just crashed So you start to hit a lot of problems in the company, for example, where, yeah, you need to to control who has access to the node. You need to control how you open channels. You need to see what channels are open, what the state of them are. And in essence, as bolts faced, they had like 1,200 channels. And at that point, you can't query the the command line and have hopes to scroll through all that information. You need some sort of interface or some sort of way to analyze and see that data. So these companies out there started to see, as I saw back then, that the customers, the product they're building for their customers, that is not about node management, right? Their customers don't care about how fancy sort of the backend system is or uh, how they manage their node. They just want to, if that's a payment company, they just want the payment to arrive, right? They don't, give a damn essentially about everything else so so that's where we come in we supply all that software so that the company can move faster and build their end product instead of sort of node management stuff
2: what was your assumption at that point who about on 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 who is gonna suffer from that struggle what kind of company is is hit by that problem
1: so really every lightning company that operates their own node so If Unless you're using some sort of custodial service or like a Lightning API like Breeze uh, or something where you don't need to think about channels or nodes at all, then you don't need it. But if you have a Lightning node operated by your company at all, you need node management systems.
2: How do you came up with a name Torque? Was it you woke up one morning and said, okay, I've got it. It's going to call (laughs) Torque.
1: no so so the i always think a lot around so the the naming of things uh, is one of those things that just sticks in your head for a while right in general i wanted something that was connected to the concept of engines and moving forward and power uh, because torque power is your operation your lightning operation right is the engine behind it so that's where torque with ue uh, at the end um, the physics concept of torque uh, momentum right came in because that's often referred to when it comes to like how powerful electric engines are in cars and all that so that's where it came from and then removing the ue at the end was just because it was annoying to type in the terminal
2: (laughs) (laughs) okay and it got more good metaphor (laughs) good yeah yeah it was exactly that picture that I had in mind we discussed this up front where just a talk come from and say okay talk this is uh, the power of a wrench like what <laughs> yeah uh, it, it's it's the 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 what's it the momentum mm. uh, you can you can uh, how how to bring the the, the power uh, to the road
1: also, uh, another thing I just remembered when you have multiple channels, you want the capacity to flow equally between the channels and use the channel's capacity as many times as possible. So basically have a high turnover of the use of it. So sort of turn rotation, rotate the capital, torque faster, better. I don't know. <laughs> Related to it. I,
0: <laughs> I mean that's that's the idea for the product. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the business model behind that? Mm. So um, you, we're selling money
2: off it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So we actually started an open
1: source model, and we were looking into like selling channel capacity and several different uh, add on services around it. But we moved to to uh, instead selling a licensing for the software itself. And um, what we do is we sell access to use the software on a subscription basis. And these companies install it and run this on their own infrastructure in order to keep control of the data and and control of the entire system.
0: And are you profitable with this already?
1: So, yeah, we're we're working. We're very early stage. This is enterprise sales, so it's a long sales cycle. We just started that sales process. We're talking to several companies. Um, We have some contracts already um, out. So, um, yeah, we're we're starting to, to make some money. That's good
2: so what do you what, what do you think how long is the runway we're now with uh bitcoin uh in, in in a bear market it's not in the mainstream media that loud discussed as it's been in 21 uh 2021 for example what do you what What do you expect? Like, when will adoption? I, I, I assume that you need to have a need of businesses willing to accept Bitcoin as a payment rail or uh, or as, as as a currency to 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 get paid for whatever uh, service or products. How long would you say is is your runway until getting a really traction? Then and. Yeah, I mean, um, this is what I say. (laughs) It's
1: basically a few questions in one there. One is sort of where's the market evolving? I mean, the the market is slowly growing in several different directions. You could say that the uh, exchanges are now starting to really hop into the lightning space. And I think that has also got uh, sped up by the recent increase in in the um, mempool fees that we saw due to ordinals, for example. And um, then Binance and uh, Coinbase both jumped into Lightning. Binance is already live and Coinbase is uh, working on this hard now. And um, I talked to several exchanges who are now looking into how to to structure this and get on uh, onto the Lightning Network, which sort of uh, approach they're choosing. So that part is really starting to speed up. And we see a lot of these other companies in the space like uh, wallet providers and even something like uh, Hacker News, uh, Stacker News, I mean, they see increased transaction volume and usage constantly. So this has throughout the bear market. uh, Basically, when the bear market was firmly sort of defined and yeah, we're in the new bear cycle. From that point on and onwards, it has been an increase in activity and usage of Lightning throughout. And this mm. sort of distinguishes lightning I especially could you give from, us some
2: numbers as a reference references like I mean how much you say constantly evolving but about how much are we talking more or less a uh, percentage or absolute numbers or something could you give us a reference mm.
1: so actually that's a really interesting thing so <laughs> you could <can> say <laughs> you can look at number of channels you can look at nodes you can look at uh, total capacity in the network and these are things that a lot of crypto, Um, VCs and a lot of crypto um, people are looking at, but it's not really representative of usage in Lightning because you don't see the transaction volume, that's first. The second is you don't know how efficient the capacity or capital Bitcoin in the channel is used because that can be used multiple times over. And uh, secondly, how many channels there are, like how larger channels are smaller channels? So you get out one large channel that serve essentially what you would use a ton of other for. So what you've seen lately is that you've seen a lot of big companies with big nodes reducing their total amount of Bitcoin or capacity on their node and reducing the number of channels drastically in sort of this big sort of jumps. And this is something that Bolts also did, where they, with Torque, identified channels that aren't being used and aren't efficient, and they reduced and sort of closed those channels in order to reduce the number of Sort of the amount of bitcoin that's just dormant on that and getting back to sort of the usage of that the point is that there truly is no way to measure this with external stats the only way to to see this is to see what companies report and increase traction increase usage uh so it's basically like all other startups in the world you need to talk to the company you need to look into the industry by talking to people in the industry in order to understand where there is traction and what is actually happening
0: so to to get an analogy, just to see if I got this right, if, if I compare Lightning in this regard with cash, it's like you don't see how the circulating cash is used because uh, the same, I don't know, 10 euro bill can be used to trade for coffee and goods and whatever multiple times a day, an hour, whatever, or it can be stuck under the mattress or lost in the couch. And so you don't see that. But you can help companies that have a lot of cash flowing around, cash energy, so lightning sets flowing around to see where it's moving and where it's just hiding under a pillow and exactly. causing opportunity cost. Exactly. So... <clears throat>
1: Yeah, it's it's basically that. So let's say you're a cash business, <laughs> yeah, a cash business that that sells um, motor parts, right? If you have a warehouse full of engine blocks from a old car that nobody uses anymore, right? You have a lot of money uh, there that is just dormant, and you have a lot of cash transacting on a small amount of goods, right? Um, so you can have a high flow on some parts of it and then useless sort of capital in other part of it. So an only way to do that, to to know that, is to go and ask the company or look at the company's sort of accounting, detailed accounting. Um, but of course, that's often quite private for companies. So the Lightning Network is built in a similar way where you can't see stuff that you really shouldn't see, right? Uh, like exact transaction um, data and volume.
0: Okay, so that's just just to get, because I would like to get a little bit of feeling on what are the value drivers for Mm Torque. So what are the things that people actually buy when they buy the whole suite of what Torque offers? Because like in most products, there are some elements that are really essential and some that are just there and not questions whether they really have to be there and have to be evolved. So yeah. Like this is one, like the, the, the cash equivalent of seeing the turnover rate, seeing where there is money just lying around and not working. What are the other really critical things where people say this is why I'm buying talk as a software? Mm. Yeah. So of course analytics data collection data collection in
1: lightning is also quite challenging. But yeah, so, so one of them is that you have the ability with Torque to collect and, and act with uh, multiple nodes at a time, so you have true multi-node support, and companies need this when they have larger operations because they want redundancy, so if one node has to be updated or there's some error, then the other node works still, but then you need to see sort of the holistic image of where the capacity is and what's happening. The other really crucial part of torque is the automation so the automation we've built is a decision engine where you can visually create flows uh, of actions based on your insights so for example you can say that when the channel is below x in capacity uh, with this provider you want to close it and open a new channel automatically so a lot of the stuff that developers in the lightning company often had to build sort of these tiny scripts for and debug and maintain Constantly will be replaced by these simple workflows that even sort of the yeah non-technical people can go in and, and see and they know basic Lightning network stuff and they can adjust these rules without having to build sort of this all these small you node know, management tools. So, so yeah, and that goes for for also just notification systems. So in Torque you have notifications ability, so you can set up rules to to notify you on Slack, for example, in certain events.
2: I mean, you said that they need this redundancy for example how mm. do you how do you know and how do they know that they are in that need i mean how how does that feel from the perspective of of, of the one at your customer side do do, mm. do they see it really like that or is, is it something that's how
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no they they see it quite fast so essentially if if you have a node you have a lightning company who transact the main business is to transact with lightning and your node is down then your business is down right so if that takes 2 hours to you fix said, something then.
2: You, you said you you go to the companies and talk to the companies <laughs> to, to find yeah. out uh, about about that needs I assume. Uh, yeah. How how could someone talk to a company? <laughs> you just right. going there yeah. at the front <laughs> desk and, and start.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> we're not talking. We, yeah, we built up a large network and we have different People around our company who knows a lot of people, so we were introduced to to a lot of these companies. We talked to them directly, and we have developed sort of a a research methodology based on um, based on a technique. What's the book again? There's a book called the Mom Test, M O M Test, and it's Mm. basically trying to ask research questions from people and companies without them inadvertently lying to you because nobody wants to hurt your feelings right so if
2: you ask this is this a good idea then people are like
1: yeah yeah
2: and the real answer is actually no i would never Uh, 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 really smart guy once said that people don't think what they feel and they don't they don't say what they think and they don't do what they say (laughs) <laughs> exactly this. so, so this book is with. sort
1: of addressing this one is that like your mom would lie to you in order not to hurt your feelings and that's where the name of the book comes from right uh, the other part is just that they say something else than they do so for example say like would you buy this mattress it helps you sleep x amount better right and then it might say yes to that sounds good right but then it's like ha- do you have problems sleeping and this is yeah sometimes okay when did it last happen to you um Six months ago, I was like, okay, do you really have problems sleeping? Like if it happened yesterday or three days a week last week, then then it is something real, right? So sort of that sort of research technique in asking those questions. And that's a lot what we've been doing in order to shape uh, Torque and, and how um, what features we develop.
0: Yeah. There's really, I mean, we're also talking to a lot of founders and the way how you find out the customer needs, uh, it's like really difficult to get this right because... Many people in the end ask questions like, "Do we, would you rather like to buy our product or feel <laughs> shitty every day? And you're like, yeah, if that these are the options, I'd like to buy your products. But if I can just live on my normal life, I don't give a about your product. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and that's where like questionnaires have this sort of funky effect. You have to ask them really correctly. But I worked as a market researcher early in my career and I... In questionnaires, the, the field I really loved was just the text input where people can just complain about anything. Massively helpful. And the second thing is actually just research in the form of asking people, talking to people, and getting in sort of into their mindset and who they are and and those things. So when you do that effectively, I think it's uh, yeah, it's really efficient. And then the next step, of course, is testing what you built with people and seeing what they're actually clicking on and using and not using. That's the ultimate test, like
2: right? that. And then then buying it in the end, right? <laughs> Yeah, we 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 um or at least uh, I and now we're together like in this uh, business where we train uh, people to to do such a a research. It's a little bit different. There are some substantial differences also to the what's told in the mum test. I think it's a good start, <laughs> but it mm. works way. way better ways even to to shorten that up and, and 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 make it quicker. The question is, if you if you're already on that path. Uh, you have to resist on questioning your ideas at some points. Maybe when when you learn something uh, from your customers, uh, how does that feel? And and when did you start it with that? Just from the beginning on, or and how many pivots or changes have you already made? Or is it all streamlined, uh, straightforward from 21 yeah, no. until now?
1: Definitely. So we've, we've done a lot of different changes around and uh, thrown away some work where we started in direction and it's like, no, it's, it's not right. There is really a lot of, uh, you, you need to get rid of your ego and your attachment to anything. And just like, yeah. okay, people don't want this. People don't care about it. Like, I think this is silly, but people don't care about it. Okay, then. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. That's, that's <laughs> not there's bad. no point
2: in educating your customers. <laughs> the uh, doesn't <laughs> yeah. care what, what you feel about that when, 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 when that's the way how people behave. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's exactly that it's exactly that there's no point in trying to educate your customer and telling them hey my product is really awesome you just have to get it
1: yeah yeah it's like explaining a joke right it doesn't work
2: <laughs> yeah so so, so, so uh, from uh, from finding out what works finding out what will people do not what they are telling you what they would do but what will they really do finding out your and what have they done your, your problem the, the problem fit problem language fit f- problem solution fit and then product market fit one day mm. or oh, innovators early adopters and early majority <laughs> that, that's probably going to be the next step and say so you're, you're on the path to getting profitable you already have do have revenue streams like from you said you're licensing your your software i don't know if you if you charge for cuts of uh, transactions or whatever or is it just a license uh, right now we we just have a license
1: uh, for the um, for the main software, and we're branching out to having different modules based on what the companies need but um but yeah we don't have a sort of metered approach where we charge based on the transaction volume um so this is sort of we're selling you a software suite and uh, modules that you need
2: so uh that's on the. Uh, revenue stream side what's on the cost structure side what What are the main cost drivers you have at, at the moment is it more research is it uh is it staff uh, is it uh whatever hardware or, or what yeah i Your mean, own salary <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> i don't have luxury to take salary <laughs> no i i, I don't uh, take salary i'm lucky to be able to to uh, manage without for a while but it's basically we're Spending money on on uh, developer developers people. So um, the since we don't host the infrastructure and we don't collect customer data, we don't have the classic uh, setup where we have huge cloud bills and uh, and sort of that part of it. Uh, we just build software uh, and we provide a minimal set of data enrichment services. But that enables us to be quite flexible and stretch runway and do different things. So we've been operating really lean shop so far we built a ton a massive amount of stuff with just pre-seed funding so now we're um, we're uh, getting to the point where we're looking for seed funding and uh, and to scale things up but um, yeah so it's mainly people
0: Mm. okay and you you mentioned that the research you've done into what people need that you started on basis of the mom test gave you good results do you budget for doing this research to see what features you actually want to build or is it just in the beginning and now we're just building whatever we feel like, which like many Bitcoin companies do or tech companies do, like, I would like to have this feature, so let's build it. Mm. No, so we we constantly talk
1: with the early users, the companies, uh, especially those we've, um, we've sold to and uh, the, the sort of the eager users uh, in the early phases. So this is something where we're constantly doing it for every feature, for everything we, um, uh, also stuff we launched. And I be- I believe that is something you have to you have to do it constantly, uh, hmm. because like you what people say and tell you, you can even misinterpret. Uh, and you can have visual thinking and everything. So the the ultimate test is like seeing their face almost when they they use it the first time, right? Or seeing sort of their their usage pattern on this, and and looking back a few uh, a few weeks, yeah, um, on their behavior. What about sales and marketing? Um, yeah, so that is something where, as a, uh, a company with pre seed funding, we're of course uh, quite limited. And me as the the CEO, I'm I'm doing all that, right? Doing uh, doing the sales part, so. Yeah, it is, it is something that is always in, in a battle with building more features. And I think it's uh, very important to realize that it's not just about building the product. It's also about presenting it and selling it and uh, talking with the right people in the right companies
0: um, in order yeah. to, to push that. As you may know, this podcast is part of our ongoing effort to help companies improve their business models, find their product market fit, find their product language fit, and especially help them in integrating Bitcoin as a technology into their existing business. However, just listening to the podcast doesn't get the job done, does it? So if you like the way we do this podcast, how we analyze business, and want to upgrade your own business and take action, then send us a mail at podcast at utxo.solutions and we will see if we can help you with that. Podcast at utxo.solution It's always worth a try.
2: Is it the, uh, the 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 customers you have, the clients, the companies? Is it more the core Bitcoin industry, or is it traditional industry and 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 established businesses as well as well? And why, probably, should a established business from a established industry should care about? your product or let's say bitcoin technology at all Mm. so
1: multiple parts there i mean our product right now is for companies who are starting up or already operating lightning nodes for sort of enterprise usage
2: uh, for payment volume so Creighton would be a perfect match for you, for example.
1: Yeah, for example, Bitfinex, Kraken, these sort of <laughs> companies uh, are really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then like Bolts, right? They they have a huge amount of transactions and they have a huge amount of channels, right? They, they need that. But we're looking into and trying to help companies outside of the Bitcoin industry to enter the industry and, and set this up and, and use these sort of things. That is a longer path, of course. There's some education needed, but torque certainly helps it become easier for these uh, non sort of bitcoin geeks or like people who really are into the technology to operate and i think there there is a need for for education in this uh and um this is something that i think starts to evolve a bit now where where people and i i see a lot of vcs also coming in and saying like oh, okay lightning is actually working it is uh, taking off it is we're seeing real use cases uh, with this technology so when it comes to traditional payments companies for example they they need to start looking into it or merchants need to start looking into the benefits and when to use bitcoin and lightning and when not to there are a huge amount of benefits but there's also of course situations where you don't want to use it yeah you can't know that unless you learn unless you actually engage a bit
2: what about use cases like uh, iot machine to machine payment streams and stuff like that is is could you did did you observed already some kind of adoption or or, or activities there and then i mean like from car builders up to uh, whatever uh or, or sharing economy could benefit mm-hmm. a lot as i uh, think from from those uh, kind of thing you, you've been basically talking about payment in a way where i see it in 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 the retail market for example for, what about yeah the i mean side? that that's super interesting a whole new market
1: this is where the i think if you look at the traditional payment industry and people are thinking like oh how much can lightning take over from that industry or uh, stuff like that. That's sort of that's one part of it. Cool, exciting, huge uh, market. But you have machine-to-machine payments with the AI flow now and AI agents and all this. Paying with Bitcoin for an AI means that the AI can actually control the transaction fully. There's no credit involved. There's no other company. There's no human involved at all. Needed to be involved at all. Um, they can happen instantly. So there is no risk. Once that payment is through, the agent can spend the resources needed to deliver the service back. So this is just a huge game changer, I think, in that area. And <clears throat> there's been a few hack, hack uh, hackathons and hack projects on it. I'm not sure uh, about companies working with it fully scale. But I think this is, of course, a journey where uh, companies are starting looking into this and using it where it takes a few years until that becomes big noticeable outside right uh, outside of the the lightning industry um, especially so one part of the i guess also that you referred to like the uh, the value for value scene and and this as well is evolving apps are becoming better marketplaces are becoming better um, but here as well there's uh, a need for a evolution there's a need for consumers to to see a different side these apps need to find a a way for consumers to, um, to discover this without being first sort of really into Bitcoin. And again, this is evolving. So yeah, it, it's something where when you change a f- fundamental part of society and how finance and payments work, that is not something necessarily that goes, happens overnight because in payments mm-hmm. and in money, there's contracts, there's lawyers, there's this whole thing that makes things move slower, but it is happening
2: or is a field that even doesn't exist like thinking of micropayments, for example like just think of the again uh, of the sharing economy like car sharing business and they're all not profitable yet because they they, they can't ask for the for the for the prices they sh- they should charge uh, so they do pricing over over there and and uh, but technically, yeah, I mean- uh, Lightning uh, could enable uh, such a new business model design for a whole industry.
1: Exactly, and this is where this is where the the market needs to evolve. Uh, and I think today we're uh, we're a bit in the early days of internet. like, oh, we take the phone book, phone book, and put it on the internet, right? And it's like, yeah, okay, cool, that's one to one thing, right? But we couldn't at that point imagine. Like YouTube, people thought was impossible; could never happen, right? And um, Mm. like, for example, Twitch, like the concept of having somebody pay for a um, a stream uh, or pay for losing bandwidth again, things in that matter is like non not something people could imagine at all at the time, right? And this is where I think we see with the value for value creation that. There is an evolution happening and that switch that can happen quite brutally fast once uh, one of these companies really cracks one of the, the keys there.
2: So to take this part to an, to an end and, and and get to the next topic. Uh, one thing I, I, I'd i like to know still is your, your, your startup, small company like many in the in the Bitcoin field. What would you do when or I don't know if that's already happening? We know it's happening on one side, a huge tech infrastructure or IT infrastructure company like Telefonica, for example, or uh, Vodafone starts doing the same mm. and offering more or less a similar product or service offer, but with the background of a huge, reliable uh, company, uh, what would you do? And, and how would you, how will you differentiate from, from uh, such a scenario then?
1: I think all of these companies, they can pick up the phone to whoever biggest companies can find out there and explain their entire business thesis and everything and how it works. And they will say, yeah, thanks, bye, and do nothing with it. <laughs> so the, the the point is that they have so much else going on and they, they don't have the expertise and they don't have the people. Uh, so you can, it, it, like that can always happen. That is like, what if Google takes over my entirety? You can have different types of modes in there. But one thing to remember is that if this, Like if this concepts take off completely, it is most likely because one of these tiny startups have grown to become really large. And then, yeah, other companies can try to replicate it. And we see some large companies managing to do it. Uh, For example, teams taking a lot of market share from something like Slack, right? But still, uh, these companies become huge. These startups become huge in the the meantime. And sometimes they just win completely and get this paradigm shift. Like we saw like Google popping up, Facebook popping up, and then taking over from MySpace and these sort of things, right? So I think that combined with the fact that Lightning at the lowest level is hard. So just think about it. Like when Lightning becomes so big that mainstream huge companies want to implement this, Widely, there isn't enough lightning engineers. It takes time to get there. So all the lightning mm-hmm. companies out there, a lot of them are going to be bought up by these huge companies. There's there's a lot going to happen there. So I, I wouldn't be worried as a small startup in the lightning space. I think you have a huge advantage by just knowing what you know about lightning.
0: But I, I mean, on one side, that's true. You have a you have a time advantage. But on the other side, for example, we just recently, Deutsche Telekom, who consider themselves an infrastructure provider anyway, wanted to get into Lightning, wanted to understand the whole topic, and we helped them get kickstarted there. Um, And so the, the question is, if such a big company, I mean, as you just said, they can just buy the Lightning engineers, they can buy the knowledge to a certain degree, they can buy the code as much as there is for open source and just learn from it at least and see how they can work with it. And they have not, I mean, the, the, the development power is one thing and the development power is, is maybe something that's harder to catch up. But what's really difficult is they have long established B2B. And you said you're mainly B2B sales, uh, customer relationship, marketing teams and so on. So is it, is it really like, you're early, and that's why you're protected. No, <clears throat> not
1: necessarily. So, one part is technology, like Deutsche Telekom is obviously, or uh, was it? Yeah, anyway, they obviously very, very early out with this. Right, they're actually interested in in learning and being sort of developing that knowledge internally but still if you're part of a company and you're starting a division trying to build a new technology somebody has to be sort of the leader in in shaping that product doing the research they have to do exactly the same as other startups and they have a budget might be much bigger than the startups but they're still sort of playing by a lot of the same rules and their drawback of course is that they have this huge corporate structure to answer to so i think the the dynamics there is more complex and we see that with any technology like there's just reasons startups succeed over this. Uh, just just having huge companies always winning, right?
2: Okay, that, that's all fair, but uh, doesn't it ends all up at, at the very end when a potential customers of yours and a huge infrastructure provider like, let's say, telecom, because we've been talking about them already, and and there is a a company like, for example, um, um, offering mobility services and and they they want to use lightning technologies for whatever payment and they need an and and an service provider or a lightning service provider let's say why should this company choose a a, a small startup over a huge shiny established corporate mm.
1: um what, what's well, your adventure <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's like, if you're infinitely rich, like in comparison, a large company like that is infinitely rich compared to a small startup, right? You can build anything, right? It might take time, but you can get most things done. But in the end, at the end of the day, this is building a new product and building a new thing. If everything is super tightly related one-to-one, there's just sort of slight modification. And what you're offering is basically just a feature, then yeah, you're you're in trouble, Right. But if this is a whole new thing, like node management, which we're doing at Torque, we're not providing a node running at a cloud, we're not providing any sort of simple thing. We're we're solving a problem, which is balancing capacity of money in a network in a way that hasn't been done before. This is a completely new area. And what I'm saying is a lot in Lightning is that place where it's something that works in a fundamentally different way than almost all products existing out there today is. And that just requires that, yeah, a company can throw a ton of resources on it, but they still have to catch up. They still have to learn everything we learned in this organization running all those years. They have to hire the right people. They have to have the right people to, to lead that uh, thing. And then at that point, it's like, okay, should we spend a hundred million on doing that and risking that we fail versus startup or just buy that startup? And I think a lot of the cases, they're just going to buy that startup if they yeah. really want to yeah. enter that market. That would be
2: my math, at least. <laughs> yeah, that that that's proven that that is what they do. And it's like Clayton Christensen described it in the Innovators Dilemma: what uh, what causes that uh, the established businesses wouldn't uh, usually survive such a technology innovation or su- such a disruptive innovation? Only they do when they adopt really, really early and and put a lot of efforts in it. Because because why is that? Because they have more cultivated a exploitation culture instead of an exploration culture and and that's what uh, where startups are good at definitely and 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 uh, so you can you can buy with an mna process startups but then you have to merge these two cultures at one point which often fails or most of the time fails uh, mm. just uh, read the book from eric reese uh, the, the startup way which was it's a, a second and it's a completely fail like after the book everything just collapsed (laughs) and it's not working
0: (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) because of
2: because of that cultural uh uh, mismatch or or whatever like exactly and also like
1: that's where the like the passion that uh startup founders have uh, for their field and what they're doing is one thing the other is that when you're in a company there is one sort of power above you that says yes or no at some level, right? In the end, especially when budgets become big enough. And with startups, that not re- that's not really true, right? Because you, if you get no from a company to spend money, then it's no. But if you, as a startup, get no from an investor, then it's no from that individual investor. You can go to another one and another one and another one. And in the end, if, if your product is sound and your direction is sound, you will get that money. Uh, with a much much higher degree, so that just that makes startups much more resilient as well.
2: Hmm. Is, is that why your product will be a huge success then?
1: Yeah, and simply we're we're right now we're just the most advanced on management system in the world. We've gotten the furthest on this field, and we plan to stay that way. So
0: yeah, if you run a large business, you're going to use Torque. <laughs> <laughs> so one year from now, what's what's the success that you want to be able to celebrate? I guess it's not being bought by a big, big tech provider.
2: And we schedule <laughs> that, and 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 uh, we're, we're gonna <laughs> make, a okay. follow. No. make a follow-up. Make a follow-up. No. What,
0: what, what's the what's the successes you want to achieve in the next twelve months? Mm.
1: Yeah, we're uh, planning on getting a solid customer base of large lighting uh, operators. So that's the that's the main goal. We're working towards that and improving our sort of commercialization um, sales process. Yeah, I think that's, that goes along with, of course, the, the features we need to develop, but um, that's the focus, getting a solid customer base and
0: uh, revenue stream. What does solid mean? So, I mean, I know, I know what solid in general means, but what does solid mean for you? Yeah. Is it like when you have Kraken as a customer, is that a solid customer base? Or do you like, I don't know, what, what, does, what does solid mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, um, no, it's a hard thing to, to answer specifically. Not something I can uh, define right here in a podcast, but uh, we do have numbers on it. We have some plans on it, so um, but uh, yeah, not going to say it publicly.
0: (laughs) Okay, if you can sleep well at night, then probably your customer. I'll take you by the
2: word and uh, (laughs) gonna talk in one year from today on. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. (laughs) If you like, Henrik, thank you very
0: much. This has been uh, a quite good overview over enterprise lightning node management services and yeah hope it's inspiring for other people to build on lightning as well or on bitcoin in general thanks for having me and uh, yeah i'd love to talk more about uh, lightning also
1: on the tech side so uh, yeah happy to talk to anybody who's interested in this
2: if you are thinking about how you can use this fascinating technology of bitcoin to improve strengthen or make your own business more successful, then just reach out. Because that is exactly what we do. We help companies with our consultings, trainings, workshops and programs, especially with our careful innovation program and the jobs to be done framework, to find out the best way for them and to implement it efficiently. So, If you want it for your business, all you have to do now is just click the link in the show notes to book a free meeting. And let's find out in a short meeting if and how we can help your business to make progress as well.